So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back to the show. What a crazy week we've just been through. Yeah, absolutely mental. Last week we debuted. Uh, we debuted at number one in the iTunes business chart, which is absolutely insane. So thank you to everyone who helped us get there. We've also been featured by Apple on the new and noteworthy section, which meant a whole new load of viewers listeners whatever you're called um, mm-hmm. people coming through that have been listening to the show so we actually haven't dropped out of the top 10 since we debuted which is incredible unheard of so nuts this is a work in progress for us so we're still working on our audio getting that perfect still working on our interviewing technique bear with us um the show is only going to get better from here we've got some incredible guests lined up for you and even if they're people that you haven't heard of you'll learn so much from them i think that's one thing i took away from everyone's feedback is that there was no clear winner of a favorite episode everyone would come and say oh i really enjoyed pip's episode or i really enjoyed emma's episode or whoever it was because they got something different from each episode yeah we've handpicked our guests to try and give you the most value possible so we've tried to pick a real array of people who are from all sorts of different backgrounds with all sorts of different stories yeah and if you take their stories you'll be able to learn something from each one so i encourage you to even if you haven't heard of the person um to give them a go because we're only going to put out shows that we think are going to help you trust us and we will help you every way we can yeah huge thanks to everyone who listened subscribed and left a review this week it means so much to us just to see all your feedback all your comments it it means the world yeah you guys got us to number one so that's incredible so whatever we can do for you we will do it um in return uh, those reviews especially we read every single review and you guys were so kind so hopefully yeah we can continue to live up to your expectations if we can help anyone with anything, then connect at rebelscreate.com is our email address. Ask us any questions, any guest suggestions, whatever you think that we need to know, let us know. We've also launched our blog. The blog is going to be going live every Monday. Every Monday, we're going to be publishing articles that are designed to help you. Advice of how to make it as a freelancer, things that we've learned over the years, things that are going to help you. And we've got three articles up there at the moment and there will be a new one on Monday. Um, So let us know what you think. We'd love for you guys to read it as well as listening to the show. So without any further faffery from us, uh, let's move forward. Um, This new episode, we're really happy with this. It's with a wonderful person called Alexandra Dudley one of the kindest, nicest people that you could ever hope to meet. So we talked to her about her journey now from owning her own company to now where she's becoming an influencer. She's written a book and she's basically pursuing what makes her happy. Um, By consistently posting online and by networking, she's built this amazing kind of tribe around her of her supporters that are just allowing her to pursue her dreams. In this episode, we talk about the art of pivoting, the importance of personal branding and just doing it. And then you just have to believe in yourself and make stuff. 
make stuff, show it to people, things happen. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. We are with Alexandra Dudley and she is, well, she's many things, an artist, author, entrepreneur, many, many different things. Yeah, I'm blushing. <laughs> it's my t- worst question. Still haven't got over being asked what I am, I have to say. What are you? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, isn't it? I mean, now I say, and I'm trying to become more confident at it, I say, I'm trying to be a presenter. I'm an author and I work in food, but I'm trying to move into presenting in television because that is what I'm trying to do. But own it rather than kind of shy away and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm trying to... And I wrote a book and like try and own what I'm doing and what I've done. But yeah, essentially I work in food and and I'm trying to make it into television. That's what I'm trying Excellent. to do. And you are, you are a chef. I am a chef, yes. Yeah. So... Although, again, I, we were discussing this earlier. I sometimes have definitely found it difficult or had imposter syndrome calling myself a chef because I didn't train as chefs would have done in that kind of very male-orientated kitchen time where you were trained under kind of Gordon Ramsay or, you know, Pierre Kaufman. And, the, and then that was just kind of the kind of pyramid of how things were done. I guess I'm, I'm definitely self-taught. Um, and I've done, I do a lot of catering. I also cook for events, for brands. I've done recipe development. We'll kind of work with a couple of magazines, even doing recipe testing as well. And you're is, a food stylist. Yeah. I'm actually trying to do more of that as well. So I do a lot in my own. explain to people what a food stylist is. Well, you make the food look pretty. I mean, we live in the day <laughs> and age of Instagram. So we eat with our eyes, literally. So it's just... A lot of the time it's actually making the food, so you've got to be able to cook. And then it's making it look really appetizing. And it's different to how they used to do it, where, you know, we hear terrible tales of people putting nail varnish on kind of roast chickens. And I even heard of one story where they put a, a tampon that they dipped in hot water, so it was smoking, and then put it inside... I think so, I think it was a chicken again to make it the steam sort of rise out of it. They don't do that so much anymore. You can do a lot with kind of olive oil and honey. Weirdly, honey is great for kind of glazing things, as is olive oil. But it, it's it's kind of annoying because it tends to be olive oil works on sweet things to make them look shiny, and then the honey seems to work better on savoury things. So you sort of mess up the taste right. for afterwards. But yes, it essentially it's making the food look good and positioning all the cutlery and crockery in a kind of aesthetically pleasing way. And so then it's less important for you to actually eat the food afterwards if you are messing it up with the things that you're using to get the look of the shop. Yeah, I mean, a lot of food gets wasted. I'm very anti-food waste, but like it's notorious that food gets wasted on kind of food shoots, especially the ones that you, supermarkets film. So my boyfriend actually has done, a, he works in film and he's worked on a couple of adverts where they... I'm not going to say the name of the supermarket, I shouldn't badmouth them. But anyway, they had to get this shot of a cut of beef the beef being cut and they had to shoot it 52 times and throw away 52 hunks of beef how do you what is it well, how insane, do you, yeah it? but he Oof. has come home with whole salmon and massive packets of flour and stuff like that he doesn't really do it anymore i kind of miss it kind of miss all the goodies but yeah there's a lot of food that gets wasted i'm someone who tries not to do that yeah sustainability has been a big 
part of your career, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's a big thing at the moment. It's definitely a kind of buzzword at the moment, sustainability I mean, and zero I think, waste. I mean, doing our research on you, I, I think it certainly comes across as genuine from you. Do you think, do you think there are people who are just seeing it as a, like a trendy thing to be sustainable? A hundred percent. And brands alike as well. I think we see a lot. What it's There's a freight greenwashing. So a lot of kind of brands will jump on it and say they're doing that something that kind of makes is really sustainable. And it's it's really not. It's kind of thoughtless. And similarly, I guess, with public figures, that horrible thing that all influencers, we could also call them. Um, it's a trendy thing. So it's very easy for people to kind of flash their keep cup and their swell bottle like kind of reusable water bottle and say that they're kind of doing everything for the environment and the next thing we know they're opening maybe like 25 packets of new active wear from all over the world with so much packaging and probably made by people who are getting paid about 5p to make the item so there's kind of mixed messaging going there and it really bothered me at the beginning because it's something that I really believe in and genuinely think is incredibly important but then if the overall message, if it's spreading and it's getting people to think about, you know, you know, buying a keep cup and avoiding buying plastic bottles or food covered in plastic, it's triggering places like Pret-a-Manger or Starbucks now. Starbucks charge you 5p for a cup. That's they are they, so they've gone one step further than yeah. anyone else. Yeah, it, it only got implemented, I think, like three weeks ago. But, you know, in Pret, they give you 50p off if you bring your own cup and... They sell their own reusable water bottle now and they've got rid of plastic straws. Like All these changes that are happening, they're happening because of the pressure from people. And if that's happening because those people are being influenced by other people, that's a good thing. It doesn't matter if it's not entirely genuine, if it's having that ripple effect. In the end, that's all that matters because you don't come at at it to own it and be kind of known as miss sustainability. I mean, you want you want things to change. And like I'm a human as well, so I'm very aware that I made mistakes. I have to buy a kind of plastic bottle sometimes. And sometimes I buy my clothes from Zara because I'm also try and buy my clothes kind of consciously as well. And mm. that's more of a new thing. I mean, it, it kind of goes in stages, like stuff I clean my house with, my makeup. Food was always a big one for me. It's something I has kind of been ingrained to me from being a child. My mum never let us throw anything away. Um, but fashion, fast fashion is such an issue as well. I mean, we heard about that, the Burberry scandal where they were burning their clothes. Do you know what I yeah, mean? I Except that actually all brands do that. Yeah. Tashin, the guys that make books, they also mm-hmm. burn their books. I mean, everybody does it. It's just now someone gets hold of the story and they're like, boom, we're going to push it out there. And I, prob- I reckon there are kind of at least 20 other big household kind of fashion runway brands who've been like shit we should probably cut back and make sure we don't do that and get kind of in the in the bad light so i mean what my girlfriend and i have done is we now only buy our clothes from depop or ebay that's clever yeah and it's it's really cool because it restricts you you've now got these parameters and you have to work within Mm -hmm. those parameters so it's really interesting because when you find something on there like whatever hunter gatherer is in our brain when you're scrolling through and then you find something yeah that's vintage or that because i think when you walk down the street you can go oh yeah she got that from Topshop. that came from zara and i've had that a couple of times recently because i bought a few things and which i haven't done in so long but I was on the tube and I was wearing the same dress as someone next to me. And I was like, wow, this hasn't happened to me in a long time. Because yeah, yeah. most of my clothes are kind of 
really old or they were my mums and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. We're, we're all sort of wearing uniform when we're yeah. kind of like churn, being churned out by, by, I guess, like kind of the big brands. It's the same with cooking, actually. I find cooking seasonally, I'm quite strict with it, with myself. And again, you really set those parameters. It's really simple, just like go on Google, Google what's in season. There's a site called Eat the Seasons, which kind of shows you what's in season each month. And I just kind of have a look and then I kind of restrict myself to what's in season now, even if it's really tempting to buy strawberries in December yeah. and I don't know, courgettes out of season. Courgette was what the one thing I really struggled with letting go of out of season, <laughs> weirdly. Um, but it, it's inspiring too, because you end up cooking things like Swede. I never cooked Swede before yeah. and I ate way more beetroot or found more interesting ways to kind of cook red cabbage. and. It's it's restricting and it's challenging, I guess, but it's equally inspiring. It's both of those things. Yeah, it's probably the same with the clothes thing. I think yeah. it's why um, institutions work so well. So sometimes lots of people make their best work, not their best work, but they make the, the kind of multitude of work where there's some really good pieces in that kind of short amount of time when they're studying studying at art school or wherever you are or like graphic design yeah. because there are these kind of restrictions on you and it forces you to be creative and you're fully immersed in it but you have that safety and it's funny when we come out it's harder it's harder to do it it's harder to make something really good it's harder to get stuck into something really it should be easier because you haven't got people breathing down your neck you don't need to kind of check boxes and do all those funny little things but it's funny how structure sometimes is what we need to kind of get those creative buttons pressed I guess 100% yeah. let's talk about you're on this journey it's quite sort of clear that you're you're on a path let's talk about where you've come from so um, would you say you're an influencer is that something that you would I hate that word I guess right. so yeah, yeah I guess I guess I am I mean I was saying earlier I'm trying to own that from a kind of positive point of view and talk about sustainability and stuff more than just where I ate my lunch and yeah. what I'm wearing but yes, I am, although it's not intentional and it's not my goal. So it's a... Sure. Okay. But is it a necessary evil? Is it something that... At the moment, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's probably the biggest part of my life at the moment in terms of making money to survive and yeah. even getting in front of people. And I think we live in a world like that at the moment anyway, where even fashion photographers are asked how many kind of Instagram followers they yeah. have, models, actors. We attach, we attach value to that, to that yeah. number, don't we? It's very strange. So, I mean, you're, you're obviously doing really, really well on Instagram. Um, is that your, your platform of choice? Yeah, definitely. It's visual. Um, and actually, I think it's kind... Not that I was ever really into Facebook. And Facebook is more of a kind of... Uh, social thing I think rather than a business platform even though it works well as a business platform but it's it's softer it's kinder there's room for more emotion you don't get people on Facebook posting pictures with kind of two lines of poetry below them not that you know sometimes it's a bit too much but even the fact that people from all different backgrounds feel that they can do that on Instagram is a good thing and it's funny because it, it it's it's detrimental definitely it makes me worry and I'm always panicking about you, you know comparing I read this great thing this morning that was said oh I will not compare myself to strangers on Instagram which is so true we do it all the time it's so easy to do but it also makes you look and appreciate things like moments or kind of shapes in light and little things like that there are good things about it as well what did it look like when 
you had zero followers on Instagram. You've got like 14 people following you. Yeah. Like how, how do you build up to where you're at now? I think I came in at quite a lucky time. I was quite a late adapter to Instagram. It's like, I mean, it pretty much looked how it did now when I did it. Cause I know I used to have a really different format. And I came at it because I ran a snack company. So I, I came out of art school and I started this kind of healthy snack company, going blind, not really knowing exactly what I was doing. I had plans that it would run itself within a year and then I'd open a restaurant slash gallery. Very naive. Um, I mean, but I mean, let's, I mean, that it was a great success. I mean, you, yeah, were, it you was, were stocked it was great. In, in... Yeah, a Planet Organic, kind of Whole Foods, Ocado, we exported. I mean, I changed, I started on my kitchen table moved to a kind of industrial kitchen, was approached by investors and then realized I was going to change my business model and had a small factory making it outside of London. And then I had a small team. There were kind of five up to six of us in a little office in Soho. And I was handling it, marketing, PR, everything, pretty much everything. How old were you at this point? I was tw- 22, 23, 24. Yeah, it, I mean, it was insane. I would sit next to people who were kind of 10 years older than me and trying to get into the stockists that we were in and they had teams of kind of 12 people but it was I'm definitely that generation I have a lot of other friends who are challenger brands who really challenged the kind of big corporate supermarket brands and it hadn't really been done before so it was really exciting there was a lot of traction towards it especially because we're young and we all supported each other a lot and in terms of Instagram my product so I made these snacks called super seeds which were basically little seed mixes and they lent themselves so well to food to kind of sprinkle on food we had like chocolatey ones great on granola or cereal i mean yogurt and porridge and then savory ones like chili ones on salad on sandwich whatever you wanted to put them on and because i love cooking so much and i cooked even back then i used to cook to make money i'd cook like supper parties i ran a kind of tart business, which actually I made really good money on. I used to sell my tarts for kind of 15 pounds and they cost me like three pounds 50 to make. So I had great margin there. Um, but food was just kind of part of how I wound down and live my life. And because my, I guess my food was good and, and visually exciting and the seeds were on it, that's how I kind of gained the traction. And I, you know, I had a, a kind of group of friends who were also growing very fast, doing exciting things. And we sort of supported each other a bit in that way too. Um, and it just kind of grew. And um, now it's kind of plateaued a bit, which I think is a sign that I have to, you really have to offer people something. You can't expect people to engage with you if you aren't offering them something. And I, that's, I had this pet talk with myself last night, being like, it looks really lovely. Like the visuals there, it looks fab but there's so much out there now. It's so competitive. It's such a saturated market in all all senses of the word, whether you're a fashion influencer or you're a creative, you know, a website branding agency. I mean, there's, I must know about 15 people that own branding agencies. So you've got to really differentiate yourself. And I think all of us, even as individuals, it's really important to kind of, it's scary, but to think of ourselves as a brand in itself even even outside of your business like you as a human being as a person need to be sort of recognizable I think if you want to push especially if you want to push into places that maybe there isn't room for you and you really have to make the room so yeah I think definitely in terms of social media that's really important to make sure and it's hard but it's hard to be different and then also be kind of yeah i read an article on medium the other day that said um if you don't have a, a personal brand within the next two years then you will not be successful 
Wow, that's that's it's, heavy. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying, but in a scarier way. Yeah. <laughs> if people are, are thinking of applying to jobs, the first thing that people are going to do is they're going to Google them. Yeah. And so whatever we put out there is our representation yeah. going forward. Yeah, it's, um, it's quite scary, isn't it? I think it also depends what you want, because otherwise some people, like when you Google me, just because I've, I've done some like random stuff that, I mean, there's like three pages of Google stuff that comes up. None of it's like marginally that impressive, but my sister, there's nothing. She doesn't want it. She doesn't even have Instagram. She doesn't really use Facebook. She works kind of as a PA. She's really happy with that. Some people want that. That's what they want. Yeah. Which is fine, isn't it? It's I so think, fine. Yeah. I think I just the, don't want that. The secret to life is happiness, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And if you can find what makes you happy, then just keep doing that thing. Yeah, keep doing that thing and keep pursuing something, I think is the most important. I definitely know that just from being in places where I've been earning much more money and, you know, been running kind of a team of people to not, but having, just having a feeling like I'm going in a direction that I want to be going. I just felt a bit stagnant. You're just like us, just, it's just always building. It's the process yeah. that's, that's the rewarding part. It's not necessarily the payoff. The payoff is fleeting. It's like... Oh, that was cool. Now what's next? Yeah, next thing, straight yeah, away. Yeah, what should we build now? Although I have to say, I think something that we all do, especially kind of when you run your own thing how, in whatever shape or form, is that we don't celebrate the small wins. There's so much talk. When we get that, we're going to like, we'll go out. Or when we get that, we'll do this. And we do. We get it. And then we're like, oh man, we got to do the next thing because, yeah. you know, we're not, we're, nothing's ever good enough. It's good. It drives us. But I think also, it, I think even more valuable would be to really kind of appreciate and like, you know, enjoy those wins yeah. because they, they, they will kind of nourish you. And which is really funny because at school when we were given gold stars and A's and I don't know, like merits or whatever yeah. it was, it would really excel us and push us to go further and try harder. And it's funny how we don't, most of us anyway, don't take that on in kind of later life. It's all about the punishment. It's all about the keep going. It's never about, yeah, well done you go and have, a break or treat yourself we don't really do it mm, that's, that's um something that we should probably do more i think yeah, yeah. celebrate I, guys I'm totally realizing it as you're saying it i'm going yep we we, uh, we don't do that <laughs> i write so much stuff down i used to write kind of like how much i spent my gratitude journal what i ate i'm like was like monitoring everything and like had obsessions with writing everything down even i do document kind of funny things outside my window I just I also have an obsession with kind of collecting things and repetition as well so having all the kind of books going it's like a different form of diary taking yeah. um, but it's it's a really nice practice to have uh, doing like a gratitude journal in some way or even mm -hmm. just saying it out loud you can kind of do that or think about it when you're brushing your teeth like it's good yeah. to kind of pair it or tag it onto something that you do every day you know, like sit-ups tag yeah. them onto when you brush your teeth <laughs> That's a great, yeah. So another label that's uh, been stuck on you a lot of times is entrepreneur. And it's yeah. been stuck on us and I have I have funny feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, me how, too. How do you feel about that word? I think it's, you know, I think it's fine to be called an entrepreneur. I think it's, it's I, maybe it's not. I sometimes find it slightly embarrassing to call myself an entrepreneur. Also because... Cringy. It's cringy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I'm not doing my thing anymore. Which actually I don't see as a failure at all. I like totally own the decision and it's not So let's just... talk about that. So the so you so decided I did the seeds. to stop the seeds. I stopped it. Um, now I was, I mean, there were two, there were kind of multiple reasons why I did that. But the, one of the main reasons was that the idea for this whole business was to create a kind of snack 
business. So an FMCG brand, fast moving consumer goods. So kind of something at the checkout point sells fast, lots of people buying it. And I really wanted everyone to buy it. I wanted these things to kind of knock off Snickers bars at the till. Grand, delusional, whatever. Like that, that is kind of what I wanted. And because I had such a weight for my packaging, I was like, okay, I'm going to make these larger packets because people want them. So I made these larger, bigger bags that were like five pounds for people to add on their food because, you know, it's quite nice. And what happened was those were the ones that really took off. And my whole dream, I'd spent so much time and money and effort designing, getting packaging, you know, it was all recycled packaging. It took me ages to get it made and find it narrow enough. I mean, there's so many boring elements to it. But it, it I mean, it, it flew and then it just nosedived, like big time and it was it was quite it was kind of crushing but it also even though the money was good because because I'd done these just as a side thing I was like oh yeah they're probably not going to sell I may as well make the price quite high because anyone who's actually going to buy them they're, they're just going to buy them it doesn't matter it's not going to be a kind of cost decision per purchase kind of uh thing but you know I I just knew that I was never going to reach everyone doing that like it was very it was very stuck to kind of the waitrose buyer the middle class kind of high earning comfortable buyers and and I and I also was falling out of love with the wellness industry as an industry because it wasn't very well and I also realized why the hell am I spending my life selling stuff into supermarkets I hate supermarkets I actively avoid buying stuff in a supermarket which I know can also be called elitist you know there's so many things we get criticized for everything but if I can and I live next to an amazing greengrocer I'll go there I'm all about supporting local local producers and actually because we've done that we have so many more around us I mean we live in a great part of London we're sitting in the heart of Shoreditch right now you know there's about like 10 different sourdough bakeries within like a three mile radius and winemakers beer makers crafters and it's weird that we're having a return to that but that is because that's what we want so again I, I think if you if you believe in something do it and you'll see the ripple effects but you are you know you've, we are just like one stone but still by jumping in and doing that you there are kind of effects that you're making so I basically realized I didn't want to sell into supermarkets I got asked to write a cookbook it was so stressful because I was still running running it. And it was actually when I was shooting the book and spending time with all these freelancers, you know, didn't know when they were going to get paid and didn't know when their next job was coming. I was like, oh, God, this is great. This is what I want to be doing. I want to be with these people having these conversations, like actual interesting conversation. You know, I just come, I come out of art school, pretty much gone straight into this business where it would consume me all the time. So I went... After art school, I actually had a year out where I was working for a solo show, but I spent half my time in my studio and the other rest of the time in working in retail because I had to pay kind of bills and stuff. But I basically didn't see anyone. I was so focused. I was also building this brand on the side so that as soon as it was ready to go and I had enough money, I could stop working in retail and do that and do the art. The art sort of fell by the wayside. The business grew. Three years later, I'm staring at an Excel spreadsheet, stressing out about my kind of annual turnover and was like, what am I doing? So I was 26. If ever there's a time to pivot, I mean, I say, I joke that I've like pivoted so much. I'm basically dizzy all the time, <laughs> but um, that was the time. And I just, I had this door open, you know, writing a cookbook is a great thing. It doesn't necessarily make you loads of money, but it's a great, it's been a great platform for me. And I've had so many more opportunities that have come from it. Yeah, I just saw this door open was like, right, I'm going to go through that and I'm going to close this nice and tidily. You know, we didn't have any debts. I paid off a decent amount of money back to my investor. I paid myself a bit. It was comfortable. It was good. No one got hurt. You know, not anyone gets hurt. But 
people think I'm mad for having done it and I probably should have sold it. If I had one regret, it would be selling it, but I was so reluctant to sell it. I held on to it for a year having paused it, which I would say is not good advice. Make a decision because it's harder to sell a business based on your revenue a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I, it was my baby, you know, I, had, I came up with that idea when I was about 17, so I just wasn't ready to give it to someone else. And actually when I look at the kind of copycats, because I had a lot of copycats with what I did, um, especially because I couldn't trademark the name Superseed. So I had M&S, Sainsbury's, a couple of other brands bring out their own ones. Theirs were 50p, mine are kind of £1.50. You know, what's, how's it gonna go? But they've all, they've all stopped. So I think it was, too, it was too early to make people snack on seeds. It wasn't too early to make people, the healthy people who already eat their avocados and whatever else, go to the gym. They were fine, they were gonna buy it, but that's not what I wanted to do. And I just didn't wanna spend the rest of, well, I didn't wanna spend however long it was gonna take pushing that when there was something else that I could be pushing. So I stopped it. I actually thought I would, I wanted to be an actress originally. So I thought I would maybe do some of that. But I was, you know, it's so hard. And I, I mean, I, I know a lot of my friends work in that industry and I was like, gosh, I mean, that's a bit crazy for me to do that. And I have all this, I had other stuff that was just kind of filling my time, whether it be kind of cooking or I do a bit of kind of creative and like identity consulting for kind of small startup F&B brands or sometimes bigger ones as well, but you just need a shake up or even in their social media strategy. So what's I was- that, What's F&B? Food or beverage, okay. sorry. Um, Not in like, the industry. No, yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was being kept busy. And then I, you know, I, I had these amazing opportunities to kind of go and meet amazing people and, and see amazing places. And I really love, I mean, I love telling stories. And I, shamefully, I like being in front of the camera, moving camera more than still camera. But I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy being the portal for kind of telling someone else's story and getting it out there to other people. And then I think because of the whole influencer social media thing where we're so pressured or kind of to speak into our phones 24 seven, which I don't really enjoy doing if it's, you know, me having a smoothie or me going for a walk. But if it's me in a distillery in Barbados trying rum and speaking to this lady who's worked there for kind of four generations of family, that's interesting. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I like talking about. So I did more of that. And then people became more interested. And because I was doing it, I got more opportunities to go to other places. Like I'm going to Istanbul later this year. I'm going to Provence to go to this place where some like rosé is made. What is it? A winery? A vineyard? Vineyard. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been to San Francisco to kind of go and look at the almond uh, bloom. So where all the 80% of the world's almonds are made. But that was also specifically to kind of talk to the farmers about their sustainability practices and stuff. Like I've done some cool stuff. And then, I mean, because it's all quite fresh, through doing that, I was like, well, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This means I'm, I'm not acting, but I'm a character. I'm in front of the camera. It's not about me. It's not like, because the thing about presenters or podcast hosts, I guess, and, and different probably for this one, but they are mysterious. We don't know loads about like Kirsty Young on Desert Island Disc. We don't know anything about her. She is the person that gets the information out of everyone else. She's that portal that makes us understand it and teaches us and kind of shows us what's there. And that's, that's what I want to do. I think that's the most, I mean, it's such an interesting thing. And why would you not want to travel around and kind of tell people about amazing things? So that is the aim now. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. As an entrepreneur, these, these opportunities are coming to you. So for example, the Almond Groves, you, you were sent there by a, by a sponsor. I was sent there by actually the Almond Board of California, who were almost like the 
teachers or fairy godmothers of all the almond farmers in California. So their responsibility, they don't sell almonds. They educate the growers themselves and then the market and the buyers themselves. But they're mainly, I, I call them kind of fairy godmothers because they they really work with the farmers. So if there's a kind of practice that one farmer's kind of implemented to save water, they'll sort of see how it's going and then they'll go around and they'll try and teach all the other farmers about how to do it. And you know, these are farmers, they're not, they don't use things like Instagram, they don't even use mobile phones. And so it's it's a very, it's a delicate process and this is their livelihood and it's their life and they've often their kind of five, six generation, that's all they know is kind of almond farming. Um, so they, in a sense, they kind of look after them and obviously almonds get a bad rep for using a lot of water, um, but sustainability is important for them. Um, so I went out there with them. So they actually, they had a couple of people go out there, but it was really, it was actually really fun. It was really cool. Because I think a lot of people sort of wonder, they see opportunities happening for people on Instagram and they say, well, why is no one phoning me up and sending me to, to out to California and things like that? And I think what people don't realize is you've been on this journey since you were 17. Yeah. It's like, I always say we're like a 10 year overnight success. Yeah. It, <laughs> like most overnight successes are yeah. 10, this 10 yeah, years people don't it. See, And I think people don't see the hard work that goes into it. You've built your following from scratch. You've built a business. You've shut down a business. You've written a book. You've worked on your personal brand. And that's, that's why these, now these opportunities are starting to come to you. And you're saying sort of you're, you're earning less than you were when you had yeah. the brand, but you're, in a happier place now yeah definitely and I hope to earn more as well I mean you know we all want to make money money is not the kind of end goal but I mean not worrying about how to pay your rent that, sure. that's that's like a, yeah. something that would be quite nice um, but yeah it's funny because it's been so sticky the last three months but weirdly I felt the most kind of relaxed in other kind of areas of life and just to throw something else into it I'm I mentioned that I'm an artist, so I'm, I'm, I, I spend more time doing art now, but I've come up with this idea, which happened because I wanted to do this installation piece um, where I was making all these art on kind of tablecloths and stuff. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I should just make these. Like, someone might buy them. I would buy these. And I have like the following and the people who are interested in food and, you know, tableware and all that stuff. So I'm sort of working on that now. And who knows, like that could turn into something. I don't know, but in a sense, I am an entrepreneur again, because I'm starting something again, that is kind of a business that I'm going to have to market and start its own little account and push it in some way and try and get it noticed. And it's quite exciting. Yeah. I mean, I guess I probably wouldn't have even done that if I had not had the kind of mental heads, like freedom and headspace to, to yeah. have done that. And it all, it all ties together, doesn't it? So with the, with the presenting, that would obviously fuel what you're, what you're currently working on. Yeah. So have you like, how, kind of, how did you work that out? Did you say, okay, so I want to present. So let me work backwards from there and see how I get to that stage. Is that something you've done? I'm or? still, I'm actually trying to work it out because again, because of social media and things like YouTube, the route, the route to success, I guess I would say, but the route to getting there is really different. If you look at kind of, even in terms of kind of TV chefs, like Jamie Oliver and Nigella Lawson, back then you'd find your agent, or they'd find you, they'd find talent, they'd nurture the talent, they'd grow the talent. It was easier to get put on television because there was less on television. We didn't, also there weren't things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and things that are kind of competing and, you know, sucking the life from kind of, standard five channels apparently even though I think there's room for everything but um 
it's harder now. You kind of have to prove that loads of people are going to engage and watch you and be interested before anyone's going to take a chance on you. I pretty much have to get myself in front of a of moving camera. I have to kind of either have a YouTube presence or an IGTV, that new thing, um, presence, and just do more of it. And I know the people. I'm a good I'm a good networker. I'm a good kind of hustler in terms of kind of making contacts. And, and then you just have to believe in yourself and make stuff, make stuff, show it to people. Things happen. So networking, how has that helped you so far? I think. I always take meetings with people. In fact, some of the meetings where I've really not wanted to go, because when I ran Punch Foods, I got a lot of emails from people who run similar brands. I I still get it now, startup brands or people who want to get into it, um, people who own brands that I'm like, oh, it's not really that interesting to me. And I'll go along for this coffee meeting. And weirdly, it's the ones I'm least excited about where I get something out of it, whether it be kind of a tip or something to think about or a contact or something. Um, So I would say always meet with everyone and be really nice to everyone because I see it so much with some, some of the times with people I know where people get like slightly big headed and think they're kind of above people. And there've been a few times where afterwards I've been like, wow, thank God I'm like really like a nice person and never kind of like dicky towards meeting people at something. especially when you're doing events or demos like cooking demos at festivals and stuff and loads of people rush up to you at the end not because you're famous just because you're there and it's that's kind of the nature of the kind of experience in the day and who knows that one of those people it happened to me the other day and the guy turned out to be like a blue peter presenter and i was like wow you are definitely a great person to have met like imagine if i had not made time and it was a really busy evening there was loads going on I had to go and do something else like I didn't really have time to stop and talk to someone for 15 minutes but I did um and people have always been like that with me as well people have always kind of given me the time of day even as I was doing punch fuse there were a couple of people who were really amazing amazing people have done amazing things um and they were so generous with their time um, and it's like you, what you were saying, like support people. It's something that sometimes I feel like we could do more of. It's a, yeah, especially I've, with women, weirdly. Um, I read you had a, a, a female mentor that helped you a lot. Through. Yes. So she was my, when I um, was still painting and working in a sports shop, I worked in kind of an activewear shop. It was really boring. Um, selling leggings to kind of people off the King's Road. There was this lady <laughs> who ran a, an activewear brand within the business within the, and she sold it, sold her clothes in the shop and she'd come in and she would be so anal about the way her stuff was hanging on a hanger. So anal about the merchandising. And I was like, oh, she's great. She knows how it is. She knows how she wants it. She's amazing. And I literally nudged someone out of the way to kind of go and hang clothes next to her. And I was like, oh yeah. So I, you know, I'd done my research on all the brands that we sold anyway. And I was like, oh, you know, I know that you set up your business yourself and I'd love to kind of buy you a cup of coffee and Pick your brains. I'm trying to start this kind of snack thing. I don't really know what I want to do with it yet. One piece of advice to anyone listening to this, please don't ever say, I'd love to buy you a coffee and pick your brains. <laughs> it is the most commonly, we get it all the time. I don't actually think I said it. I probably didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, word it however you want to word it, but just don't say I want to pick your brains. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have sometimes said, I'd love to hear more about your story, which I think is equally cringe. Amazing. No, but that's great. That's pumping great. someone's ego is yeah. if you want to yeah. get someone to sit down with you, everybody likes to feel a little bit important every now and then, you know, fluff them up a bit. Um, anyway, I sat down with her and I ended up 
working for her and she moved abroad so I was sort of running the decks in in London and doing everything from going to kind of the warehouse and picking fluff off leggings to going to buyers meetings with Harrods and everything and I mean I remember even her being like oh yeah so you're competent with Excel I was like yeah totally <laughs> YouTube on silent googling how to use Excel properly um, but I she taught me everything I know which mainly back then was research 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 everything about your competitors like in you know over here in the US know everything in the space know the prices of everything not just kind of I sold seeds I didn't know just need to know the prices for competitors and seeds it was also bulls bars crisps whatever um and that stood me in great stead when I was doing everything, especially from kind of a marketing point of view, because, you know, you knew what was out there and that you were kind of exposed to so much more content that you could create stuff that was better. Um, so she taught me a lot. I learned, I mean, I learned a lot from her in terms of running a business in that way. And then I just, I just went into it. Um, and I still, sometimes when I get emails from people and they're asking me everything, I'm sort of like just try you know I used to spend hours just replying giving them everything telling them everything but they're never you're never going to make it if you're not you just have to work it out like barcodes who if anybody sets up something with barcodes barcodes are way more confusing than you think you have to buy numbers from GS1 which is a government thing which then mean you have the numbers to buy the numbers for your barcode where you buy the barcode which comes in two formats which cost you can't just pay one price it's like a format for kind of an outer box and an inner box. And I mean, there's a lot going on with barcodes, but I just had to work that out myself and literally Google. I mean, we have Google, Yeah. you know? Where would we be without Google? Where would we be without Google, exactly. So final question, what would you say to your 17 year old self if you could go back when you just... I would probably say, without phrasing Mikey, I would say just do it. Um, I'd say, with, don't worry so much about what everybody else is doing. Don't compare yourself to people because I still do it now. And it's the thing that slows me down more than anything, worrying about what everybody else is doing. My dad actually used to say when I would run as a kid, I'd be at the front and then I get to kind of nearly the finish line. And then I'd start looking around me to see where everybody else was. And someone would overtake me because I wasn't concentrating yeah. right at that end. You sort of take your eye off the ball and I find it, now at the moment again is something i read someone tweeted it and it the she'd said life is a really funny way of pushing you in the direction that you're meant to be in and yet you procrastinate and it's true like things have happened for me this year that are really pushing me obviously in the direction i want to go in and yet i mean i'm probably being a bit harsh on myself but yeah i i do procrastinate a bit and it's fear fear is fear of kind of what people will think it's not that i'm not going to be good I know I'm going to be good is what people will think so I think just do it and don't think about everybody else just think about you and the goal and doing I guess like doing the best you can because otherwise you're just wasting time no yeah <laughs> thanks Alex cool. that was amazing thanks for listening we're trying to help a lot of people with this show so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message if you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.